Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Well, hello. Good morning and welcome to the program. It is the Michael Duke Show, broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and FM translator, and across the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukeShow.com. Hi, how are you? <laughs> it's the... The weekend is over. The weekend is over, my friends. And here we sit, ready to go for another big week of uh, <clears throat> discussions, headlines, candidates, and uh, oh, so much more. So, um, hi, how are you? You ready to? Uh, you ready to dive into this? You ready to uh, be part? of the program for today. Big show lined up. <clears throat> I have a feeling this week is going to be, well, I think this week is going to be full all the way all the way around. Um, we've got um, a slew of guests and we're starting off the weekend. We're starting off the week right after the weekend. Uh, coming up on the program this morning, Mayor Charlie Pierce is going to be joining us and talking about his candidacy and his run for uh, governor. Uh, we're going to talk with him here this morning. <clears throat> Excuse me on that. And then uh, in hour two, we're going to talk to Scott Clayton, who is going to come on board. He is our uh, uh, he is my uh, in my district, and he is running for the. Uh, He's running for the seat that uh, is currently being held by uh, David Wilson. There we go. That was what I was looking for. David Wilson. Uh, so we're going to be talking with him here this morning and uh, and getting the getting the rundown on his campaign and candidacy and why he ran and everything else. So it. Uh, <clears throat> It's good stuff. It's it's today. Tomorrow is going to be Brad Keithley, Chris Story, and on Wednesday it's Mike Shower plus somebody else. It's going to be a lot of uh, going to be a lot of stuff going on. So I'm looking forward to uh, looking forward to this week. We're gonna we're gonna rip through this week like a chainsaw through rough wood. It's going to be fun. I don't know if that's the analogy I wanted to use or not, but I, that that's what it is. I used it, so there you go. So how was your weekend? Did you do anything exciting? Did you do anything fun? Um, <clears throat> I uh, was uh, supposed to come down to uh, Homer this weekend, uh, and that kind of fell apart. And so we ended up, uh, I ended up doing a lot of stuff here just uh, around the old homestead. So it was uh, rewarding and uh, disappointing at the same time. Uh, but no, no worries. We'll be back. We'll be back down to the uh, Homer area. 
and uh, enjoying ourselves down there here shortly. Um, all right. Um, let's see. Let, where do we want to get started? Um, let's, uh, let's take a look at some of the headlines and see which ones. I think we want to start here. Uh, we've talked about this uh, a few times, but it is definitely... Um, definitely a, uh, a, 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 I guess, relevant to what we have going on here. Uh, according to the AP and the uh, uh, ADN, Alaska is burning this year in ways rarely ever seen. Um, we uh, have the largest wildfire in a typically mainly fireproof southwest region is uh, is is rolling, plus a pair of blazes that ripped through forests and produced smoke that blew hundreds of miles away all the way to Nome. Already, more than 530 wildfires have burned. I mean, that was a, that's an enormous jump. What were we talking about the other day? 200, 227? 227 fires? Now it's up to 530 individual fires have burned an area the size of Connecticut. Connecticut. And the, and the worst of the fire season, what is normally the worst part of the fire season, still lies ahead this year, <laughs> going into August and September. Uh, there's been little burned property, but some residents have been forced to evacuate. One person was killed, a helicopter pilot who died last month when he uh, crashed while attempting to carry a load of equipment to firefighters. Uh, on a side note, uh, multiple witnesses for the National Transportation Safety Board said that they heard a snap um, in the helicopter <clears throat> right before it rotated over on its side and uh, crashed into the ground. So it looks like there may have been uh, that was another AP story that I saw this morning. May have been some kind of catastrophic failure in the helicopter because, again, they heard an audible snap over the, over the sound of the helicopter right before it rolled over and then crashed onto its side. Um, so, uh, you know, definitely, uh, I mean, the pilot has still been killed, but uh, maybe it explains something. Uh, but anyway, back to the firefighting. Recent rains have helped, but no longer-term forecasts uh are showing a pattern of uh, similar to 2004 when July rains gave way to high-pressure systems. Hot days, low humidity, and lightning strikes that fueled Alaska's worst fire year. That was back in 2004. In 2004, the acreage burned by mid-July was about the same as now, but by the time the fire season had ended, 10,000 square miles were charred. And I think we're at about half that right now. <clears throat> so... It could have been, it could, it could get even, oof, heat waves and droughts, which are exacerbated by a warming climate are making wildfires more frequent, destructive, and harder to fight in many places. The wildfires have torn through Portugal, Spain, France, England, and Germany, which have seen record high temperatures. I was talking to somebody this weekend <clears throat> who was in England, um, and, uh, they said that it has just been so brutal over there. <laughs> they are not poor. Poor the poor Brits are not used to this kind of uh, not used to the kind of heat that they're seeing right now, and uh, it's been uh, it's been pretty crazy. But 530 separate fires 
um, <clears throat> again, across the state of Alaska. Part of the state is uh, part of the problem is Alaska has also been particularly dry. Parts of the state saw an early snow melt and then a largely rain-free June that dried out what they call the duff layer. The duff layer is a band of decaying moss and grasses that blankets the floors of the uh, boreal forest and across the top of the tundra. And that could be up to two feet thick uh, in various stages of decay. That's what leads other that was that's what leads fires to leaping back up after they've been smoldering all winter. You think, oh, it's winter, it's snow, they got snow all over the ground. There's no forest fires. What you don't know is that it's cooking away underneath in that duff layer, that two-foot layer. It's just slowly burning, and then once the snow is off, oof, it's uh, it's gone. Uh, the lightning strikes have been uh, pretty continuous across the state of Alaska, and that is what has ignited most of the fires. Um, I didn't even know this. Did you know that they actually have a lightning detection system? The BLM has a lightning detection network? I didn't even know that. 145,000 lightning strikes in Alaska, counted by BLM's lightning detection network. 42% of those occurred between July 5th and 11th. <laughs> I mean, wow. That's it. Um, they said uh, it isn't feasible to try and fight all wildfires in Alaska, nor I don't think should we because of it's part of the circle of life, right? Fire plays a key role in the state's ecology by cleaning out low-lying debris, thinning trees, and renewing habitats for plants and animals. So they typically let most fires burn themselves out or wait until the rain or snow does the job. Firefighting resources are used to battle fires only in populated areas. So there you go. That's uh, it's good good stuff. Um, so, But again, big, big fire season for sure this year. 520. Oof. Crazy, crazy stuff. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. What else we got here on the agenda before we run out the clock? Um, U.S. Senator Lisa Murkowski has not said whether she supports a bill uh, in the House uh, that they passed on Thursday. They would codify the right to contraception, saying she's working on a different legislation to safeguard the right. It's an effort to preserve women's access to birth control that has emerged since the Roe v. Wade decision from the Supreme Court. The House of Representatives on Thursday passed the Right to Contraception Act with eight Republicans voting yes. Uh, Murkowski and Dan Sullivan have not taken a position on the House's contraception bill. Also, two Republican senator, the two Republican senators are not saying whether they stand or where they stand, rather, on House legislation that would protect same-sex marriage. Uh, Murkowski said she supported marriage equality. Sullivan said he respects a previous Supreme Court decision upholding the right. Um, so a lot of it's election season. There's a lot of waffling going on back and forth. You can tell this is uh, this is going to be one of those things. Sullivan said he hasn't seen the right to, Contracep uh, right to Contraception Act, saying that he would comment when he saw it. A spokesperson later wrote in a statement that the senator is waiting to see what the majority leader puts on the floor. As a general matter, he supports the right to contraception. My God, I hope so. Uh, Dietrich also said that right now the senator is actually focused on the record high food cost and energy harming all Alaska families. Um, the House passed legislation to uphold abortion rights last week. Murkowski did not support the House bill 
the senator introduced her own more da- uh, more narrow legislation in February. Uh, that, but it has not been advanced. So I mean, it's election season. You're seeing all that's going on. You're seeing you're seeing how all this is going to be rolling out. I guess that's it. That's all I got for uh, this short little period of time here before we run into it. Charlie Pierce is up next. Candidate for governor. We're going to talk with him, see what he has to say. That is directly head Scott Clayton from the Matsu. Be joining us in hour two. It is the Michael Duke Show, broadcasting live around the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and FM translator. This hour of the program being brought to you by your friends over there at Satellite West. You can find out more about them at SatelliteWest.com. We'll be back with more right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Well, uh, howdy, howdy, howdy. How are you guys this morning? Are you ready for a big, uh, big, uh, big day? Oof. Ah. Was that the good news? <laughs> no, that was not the good news. The good news is, is they have deliciously ripe melons at Costco. Mm. Ah. Yeah, I was a little tired myself this morning, Brian. I feel your pain, my friend. I feel your pain. All right. <clears throat> what else we got going on? Um, uh, let's see. Senator uh, Laura Reinbold has endorsed Charlie Pierce. Um, going backwards here to see if there's anything else out here. Uh, second censure. <laughs> No, oh, this is the story that I forgot. I was I wanted to get to this before we got started this morning, but I. Anyway, I got into something else. Good morning. 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 It's great to stay up late. Good morning. Um. All right. I guess that's it. You guys have just been full of good news and good morning, and these are all the good stuff. Oh, I think I need a vacation from the weekend. All right. Fall is in the air. Oh, say it ain't so. How can you have a second censure? I was just reading the headline. A second censure for Representative Kelly Merrick and no endorsement uh, for Kirka. Uh, an effort by gubernatorial candidate Christopher Kirka failed today at the Alaska Republican State Central Committee's quarterly meeting. Kirka, who is running to the right of Governor Dunleavy, requested the endorsement. He's been a harsh critic um, of uh, the governor. In November, he is running a lean campaign, having run, a, having raised 112000 but having spent most of it. Um 
Let's see. Uh, meanwhile, Joe Wright. Let's see. After a debate, Kelly Merrick was censured by the Alaska Republican Party for caucusing with a Democrat-controlled majority. She's now running for the Senate, but the party sent her a big message yesterday. Her behavior has cost her the support of the party officers who voted heavily in favor of the censure. It was the second one the officers have passed regarding her in the past year. So because she's running for Senate, so she had a censure as she was running for the House. Now that she's running for the Senate, this is the uh, this is the the this is the endorsement there. Okay, um, uh, they also censured. Um, uh, well, I don't know if they censured, but they did not endorse Click Bishop. Ooh, baby, things is heating up. Things is heating up in the old uh, Republican Central Committee. Uh, joining me on the phone right now, I believe, is uh, uh, Governor uh, Charlie or Mayor Governor Mayor and slash Governor Mayor and candidate for Governor Charlie Pierce. Apparently, I'm trying to uh, uh, tell tell the future here. Good morning, sir. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. Good morning. Good morning, and thanks yes, for uh, thanks for coming in and uh, and being part of it this morning. You all um, you all ready to uh, rock and roll this morning? Well, I guess it's pretty early. It is. It's a little early, but uh, you know, hey, that's uh, that's how we roll around here. We roll. We roll a little early in the morning. That's get it. I get it. Um, all right. So uh, I'm going to be back to you here in just a second. We're about 45 seconds out, Charlie. So we'll return to you here in just a second. Don't go anywhere. Um, all right. <clears throat> Do you think she cares about not getting the endorsement? Um, I don't know. I mean, if she's going to continue to run as a Republican, she probably should care. Doesn't mean that she actually does, but she probably should care. That would that would be the that would be how I would uh, characterize it. So, she should care. If she doesn't, she should. All right, Mayor, Mayor Charlie Pierce is our guest. That's our reminder to get our get our heads out of the cloud and get uh, things ready to rock and roll. Let's uh, let's get things going on the Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Here we uh, go. Okay, fine. Welcome back to the program. Let's get things uh, let's get things going, shall we? Joining us on the phone lines this morning is uh, Mayor Charlie Pierce, who is a GOP candidate for state governor. He joins us this morning to discuss uh, everything that's going on. Good morning, sir. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Just uh, just another beautiful day in paradise. Why we have to get up so early to do this, I don't know. You'll have to talk to somebody about this, but uh, maybe as governor, you can officially start the workday at ten or something. I don't know what uh, what what's going on like that. Uh, Charlie, how have things been going? Um, I mean, we've seen a lot of the we've seen a lot of the, uh, the 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 polling and the discussions and the talking heads, and uh, it seems like um, you know you you have made a little bit of headway. 
but it's hard to bust into that top three boys club. What 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 what's going on? Give us uh, give us an update of what's happening in your campaign. Well, you know, I think Michael, they they pick the the folks that make the most money, right? Right. And the other candidates, uh, you know, campaign funds have been tight, and they've been we've had to work very hard for them. And I think folks are just not, they were really not paying attention to the governor's race as much as the other races. And I think, like you mentioned a moment ago, things are heating up. And I think the tide will change. And and I think we'll be able to demonstrate how to how to win on a shoestring budget, right? Um, well, yeah. I, don't have, I don't have those million-dollar or $100,000 donors from outside the state of Alaska <laughs> that are trying to rent that are trying to rent Alaska, right? Right. Well, it was pretty amazing to see that, um, you know, each campaign seemed to have their secret $100,000 donor that just wrote a check and dropped it all off. Uh, whereas I think your, your whole campaign is, uh, is been in $25 increments and it's yeah. much less than a hundred thousand bucks at this point. Right. Right. We've had a we've had a few thousand dollar fifteen hundred dollar donors and appreciate every ten dollars we get we appreciate it we we put it put it to work but it's been we've worked really really hard to raise funds and and it takes funds to run a campaign a viable campaign to get to where you need to go to put up signs and to advertise yourself and it's just people haven't really been um, overly excited. <laughs> they can't, okay, wait, <clears throat> wait a second. Explain that to me. People haven't well, been overly excited to what to join into a campaign, or they're just they're just sick of politics. I mean, what what are well, we talking about here? Yeah, that's probably that's kind of where I'm at. I think people are really kind of burned out on it. You know, you hear people run, people run. They say a lot of things. They say what they want to do, and then it never happens. Right. right? And we've been waiting. What I'm hearing from the folks in Alaska is that boy. When are we ever going to see some results? We elect these folks that come in and make grand pro- uh, promises, and then they go to Juno and they disappear, they hide, and you don't hear a whole lot from them. And then, you know, every two to four years, they're they're back running again, and uh, they tell you the same thing again. I call that the rhetoric. That's what I'm talking about when I say rhetoric. It's uh, the question I have is, is and that I sit back and ask is, is there's been a number of folks that we're, I'm running against today that have been there for a long time. Right. And have claimed that they were going to do some things that they never did. And they're saying they're going to do them again. And I, I just asked the question, why haven't you, why haven't you produced any results? Well, I mean, I think that's the biggest, you know, that's the biggest thing that, you know, that's why there is that stereotypical response to politicians, lying politicians, right? I mean, they use that in the same sentence. How do you know when they're lying, their lips are moving kind of thing. And we've gotten a lot of that where they get a lot of the promises and things that we've talked about, you know, oh, you're going to get the full PFD, you're going to get this, you're going to get that. And you've actually received some criticism because you had said, uh, I mean, you had hedged it a little bit and and, and said, I'm not, I can't promise you a full PFD. I say, that's what I want, but I can't promise you, and I'm not going to make promises that I can't keep. And that, I think, um, is kind of antithetical to what we see as political rhetoric. Well, there's 60 lawmakers, and you elect them, too, and you send right. them to you know as well. And you, I've said, too, you get what you get. You know, you... You vote them into office, you send them there, and you watch them work, and they either get along with each other. You get these little caucuses, and you got to get into a caucus and be told how to vote. 
<laughs> and uh, I never really cared about that much. I'm, I, I know how I wish to vote and I know where I'll listen to my constituents and, and I'll vote accordingly. And you don't get that often. No, no, you don't. You get usually you get a like you said a lot of empty rhetoric and promises. You put out a video. Um, when was uh, when when what when, when was this? Uh, Very early January. I yeah. Think. Uh, well, you put one out here just a couple days ago. Uh, right. That, you're, that talked about leadership, and it talked about uh, communication. And um, my God, I, I thought you were channeling me at one point because you were saying exactly the same things that I've been thinking for so long that, you know, as a governor, you represent a huge body of people and you have a responsibility um, to communicate your messaging, your goals, your ideas to the people. G- g- give me a synopsis of that. Let's let's talk about that, because I think that is. I mean, I, quite honestly, I think that's one of the major failings of the current administration and, and honestly, past administrations. They treat, you know, once you get elected, you seem to forget the little people that put you there. Um, let's talk a little bit about the importance of communication as a leader. Well, I think that uh, one of the things I've tried to do as a, an elected official is listen to the voice of the folks that are talking to me and listen to those issues and then bring them forward and talk about them. And, and champion, champion them. And, and I, I just don't, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've sat back in the last 47 years. And I wish we just had a leader. I wish we had a leader. Leadership comes from people that are willing to stand up in front of a group of folks and say what they're hearing and listen to the voice of the people. And, and we don't get that very often. And, and, you know, or we see uh, the leaders, some that are reluctant to make a decision and they hide, they avoid the public. Uh, they won't come on radio stations and talk and, and communicate uh, what's going on inside the behind the walls of the meetings that they attend every day. And I think that that it, people will, people will resonate and work with you if they understand what's going on inside the four walls. You have to talk to them about what's going on and the reasoning behind the decisions that are being made. Yeah. People want to know. They want to know what's going on and why it's happening the way it's happening. And and again, if you have to call somebody out, if there's roadblocks in the way and, and you have to call them out, I'd say you call them out and and you you let the folks know what's going on and why it's happening. But I I, I think uh, leadership is a number of things for me. It it is you have to take the responsibility number one for the job that you have, right? And and then you have to make you have to make good decisions. You have to work with people, work work through people, not over them or around them. And and uh, and then you know you you strive for good results. The governor in, is the influencer. You have to either influence. You're either effective or you're not. Right, right. And, and it's about relationships, right? So there's sixty lawmakers. And the governor needs to work work hard every day to develop and uh, to develop relationships with the sixty lawmakers, regardless of whether you agree or disagree. Right. It's well, okay that that's agree. part of the problem, right? We've got what it seems to have been a pretty adversarial relationship with the governor, exactly. Um, exactly. and it's and it's caused some stumbles and some roadblocks. I mean, even things that are fairly benign. Uh, in the governor's, uh, you know, what the governor's wanted to work on has been, oh, no, we can't do that because anything that is seen as a win by the governor just, you know, infuriates some of these people because there's so much bad blood there. You've got to work. 
You've got to work together as a team. Tomorrow, when you disagreed yesterday, tomorrow you have to be willing to sit down and break bread and talk about your differences. You've got to work through them. And, and again, right. it, you shouldn't let these things uh, prevent you from liking someone. And it, it's almost like eighth grade uh, student, uh, whether it's you're, you're running for student president or councils in the eighth grade and you watch the behavior. Well, I don't like you now because you disagreed with me. And, and you'll never <laughs> You know, you'll never get anything done if you live in that kind of world. And I, and again, I'd say set your differences aside and be willing to always come in the next day with a smile and, 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 and say, Hey, hey we're going to, we're going to try to win one today. Right. And right. At some point we're going to agree on something. Right. And you, you get along. I guess people need to find a way to get along. There's 60 lawmakers. They're going to make they're going to make lots of decisions for Alaskans. You sent them. Remember, I said you sent them there. You sent them there, and you expect your governor to work with the individuals that are there. But again, the governor needs to be there too. The governor needs to be in those meetings. Needs to be in the hallways. Needs to have his door open and welcome people in. And and you're gonna you're gonna talk a lot. You're gonna have a lot of dialogue, and you're gonna have a lot of agree. You're gonna try to reach reach agreements. Alaskans are waiting for that. I mean, Alaska's haven't seen that, and I know for the last six years they've been uh, locked down on the PFD, and they don't want to agree. And there's a group that wanted that would love nothing more than to take your PFD away from you and use it to spend or use it to pay for the overspend that's going on in the state today. Right. Well, and I think that communication is the first place that you start with that. And like I said, I really appreciated the fact that you addressed that because I think it is important. It's important to keep the people engaged. Uh, I mean, Juno is so far flung from the average Alaskan uh, that they're really, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. But if the governor was <clears throat> continually engaging, whether it's press conferences or whether it's Facebook Live or whether it's something, you know, giving us the, the weekly update of some uh, some uh, some sort, I think that's an ultimate responsibility. I'll, I'll be honest with you, Charlie. I'm tired of asking politicians the one question that I like to ask a lot of them. Um, that, you know, will you, <clears throat> you know, will you promise to come back on the program and keep us updated on what's going on? Oh, yes, yes, yes. And it happens in the beginning, but by the end, it's like, well, they just don't have time. Governor just doesn't have time. You know, uh, Dunleavy just doesn't have time. Walker just didn't have time. Uh, Palin just didn't have time. It seemed like everybody that I talked to, Parnell, just didn't have time to come on the program after they said, oh, yes, we'd love to. Every five, six, eight weeks, we'll come on and talk about it. Um, and, and it's, you know, again, it's not necessarily about me. It's about engaging the public. And it seems like they forget about the public, like you said, until it rolls around to election season and then they're back at it. Can we come on the program? Wait a minute. You, right, you, right. you know, what am I, the ugly girl at the dance? I mean, everybody's, you know, you've been, you, 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 you run out of partners so now you come back to me. I mean, it's just, it's insane. Yeah, I call it crickets. You know, I, you know, they run, they run and. And then you, you ask them a question. Another, another issue that's real big for me about leadership is if you call me and I have a little pink slip on my desk that I've got a phone call from somebody, you return that phone call. And I've, I've talked to so many people that have said they've written the administration, they've made calls, and they get no return calls, and they get no correspondence in return to their right, letters. Right. And I think that that's a failure right there in and of itself. It's wrong. You respond to your constituents. You work for the people of Alaska if you're the governor. And you have, if, if you can't write the letter, 
you have a staffer write the letter and you make sure that you respond to the people that are asking questions. Yeah. That's ab- part of your job. It's part of your job. Yeah. Maybe. It's it may it may be the it may be in order of importance the least important part of the job, but at the same time on the other end, it's also the most important part of the job because those are the folks that brought you there. So Yeah, you definitely. don't get elected and then disconnect. I think you get elected and then you connect and you build relationships across the board. You're gonna meet I've met hundreds of people. Now I couldn't rename them all, right? I'm terrible with names, but I can tell you, I've talked to a lot of folks and folks are pretty frustrated uh, in the uh, the current administration. And they're overall, if you look at the historicals of of, uh, Alaska, long range, it's it's pretty troubling. Our spending versus our ability to save, Uh, you know, you could pass, we talked about passing a spending cap and my guess is you could pass one and we could put it in the constitution. We can, we can lock it up and I guarantee they wouldn't follow it. Right. Let's uh, it. <clears throat> Well, let's. And then what, what you'd need then is a governor that's willing to use the red pen to make sure that they do follow it. Let's, uh, let's take a peek at uh, what your constituents are saying here in just a minute. Charlie, hold the line for me and we will be back with more in just a moment. Charlie Pierce is our guest. We're going to continue with him here in just a moment, and we'll uh, get uh, a report from the trail to see what his constituency are saying. Uh, We'll also uh, get into some of the details of the size and scope of government like we talked about, the PFD, the spending caps, and everything else that he just mentioned. We'll continue in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll return with Charlie Pierce right after this. Regularly heard on American radio. Okay, uh, in the break right now, <clears throat> Charlie Pierce is our guest. Um, we'll uh, let's go back over here. Um, I want to ask this. Um, I want to ask this question here when we return to the radio. Uh, Sean is in the chat room, says, uh, Mayor, you terrorize and bullies employees. Uh, that's what he says. You're not getting his vote because you you terrorize bullies and employees. And then somebody responded by making sure that they show up to work on time or do the job that they're supposed to do. Um, <laughs> are you uh, are you are you being criticized or chastised for your uh, harsh management style there, Charlie? I don't think I have a harsh management style. What I've said is, is that, you know, the people that are there are going to have to work as hard as I'm going to work. And, and again, I think that uh, there, maybe there's some cases along the way that where we've held some folks accountable and they're, they're probably, uh, in the, indifferent with, uh, perhaps how things turned out. But, you know, I think when you have large groups of individuals, um, there's 300 employees at the borough, there's 1500 at the school district, you know, there's a lot going on every, every day. And I think that, um, you re- if you were to ask, um, I think that the average employee or the common voice of the employees in there is just that uh, I've run, when I've known about situations, when I've learned of situations, I've corrected them. And uh, if I don't know about it, I can't fix it. And so um, 
I, I don't see myself as a, as the bullier, but I also, there's accountability. I hold people accountable, I guess. Right. Well, that's uh, what we're supposed to do, right? I mean, that's what a leader is supposed to do. And sometimes right. a leader is not popular for making the right decisions, uh, especially amongst rank and file. And for people who've been doing things the same way for a long time, change is definitely not always welcome um, amongst uh, those folks. Um, let's see. Um, um, how, uh, this is the question, I guess we'll ask this when we come back, Charlie, but I'll let you think about it. Uh, 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 Charlie or Chuck, when he says, Chuck seems naive on how much special interests dominate the legislature. Uh, question for him. How do legislators that are so heavily dominated by competing special interests sit down and work together? It seems that no matter how good the idea is, there's no chance of it if it is unsupported by special interests. So think about that, Charlie, and we'll come back to that. We'll rephrase that question and come back to it here when we return to the radio. Um, and, uh, how is, how is, well, I guess this is the, we change a little gears here because we don't want to repeat ourselves too much, but. How's how's the campaign going in total here, Charlie? I mean, I know that I know that you've got, uh, you know, you got the day job, you got everything else. You don't have a huge war chest, but I know you've been doing a lot of traveling uh, and you've been seeing people all across the state. Um, what uh, you know? What's uh, how's it been going overall? Good, good. I think we've met some great people. Alaska has great people. Uh, it's that, and it's a beautiful, beautiful state. I mean, we're living in God's country, really. I mean, it's. It's gorgeous. Everywhere you go, you, there's there's a, something special and unique about it, and and the people are, um, you know, they're very resilient. Alaskans are uh, very independent individuals. They're independent thinkers. They're they're um, they're motivated. They're ready to um, uh, to do. They're ready to they're ready to work. They want jobs. I mean, they they would really like to see some opportunities, some economic uh, opportunities. Kids can actually be educated and stay here and live with families here. And, uh, you know, so uh, lots of dreams, lots of hopes from folks. But I've enjoyed meeting all the people that we've met, having conversations with folks. And it's uh, it's enlightening. Um, if you ever want to really kind of get a, a pulse of where people are at. Uh, COVID really put a spin on people and created a, a whole lot of uh, challenges along the way. It took a lot away from assets away from folks along the way government closed everything down and and uh they're standing there holding the holding the uh the expenses that they they, they uh the, the dollars that they lost along the way and then we then now they're faced with uh food almost doubling uh gas prices almost doubling tripling and and high inflationary measures and so it's very challenging there's there's uh, there, there's concern, but I think that Alaskans, as I said, are resilient and determined to, to succeed. And and I, I think that with the right policies, the right economic policies in in, in the administration, and uh, and some focus on some priorities, connecting a few dots, making things better, would uh, make our state more attractive to perhaps outside investors. And and uh, when I say that cautiously, because I think there are some investors that for question you asked me a moment ago the special interest in right. alaska rent we're clearly for rent and we're allowing it to be for rent and uh so i i, I do have a response to that question but i'll save it okay good well we're we're almost there we're 20 seconds out so we'll start off that discussion 
Um, Charlie, I think that uh, I think we got uh, we got some good stuff here. So hold the line. We'll be right back to you. Folks, like and share this video. It doesn't matter where you are, Twitch, YouTube, uh, or Facebook. Please like and share, and then uh, subscribe, ring the bell, do all that. Here we go. All right, uh, we're back. Charlie Pierce is our guest, uh, candidate for governor, currently mayor of the Kenai Peninsula Borough. Before we went to break, um, Chris over on Twitch uh, dropped us a question, and uh, I, I uh, have let Charlie stew on that question during the commercial break here because I think it is important. I mean, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, that uh, that uh, Charlie and I were just talking about during the break was. You know how people feel out on the trail, and what people are saying, and and everything else, and what constituents want. Uh, Chris says uh, Charlie seems naive on how much special interests dominate the legislature. My question for him: How do legislators that are so heavily dominated by competing special interests sit down and work together? As Charlie was talking about earlier, working together towards a common cause. It seems that no matter how good an idea is, there is no chance if it is unsupported by special interests. So, Charlie, what say you to uh, what say you to that? Well, first of all, I would t- say, Chris, you're absolutely right. Uh, for too long, our go- our government in Juneau is remember it's in Juneau and it's far away from us. The right. majority of the populace live, and it's real hard to get to our government and sit in the room and have have a play but the the the, the lobbyists and there's them that are there lobbying for their cause in Juno and 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 you're right they're there's heavily influenced and I've said that Alaska is for rent and we're we're an easy sell um, you you really have to have a number of things take place number one you need to change out the legislatures that are so uh, to, uh, uh, bent on or tilted towards listening to a lobbyist and and uh, providing services to the special interest. We're going to go in and this administration, my administration is going to focus on the best interest of all Alaskans. And, uh, you know, you look at just look at just this last week, um, all of the uh, the incomes that various campaigns have made and worked around. Um, if you look at the donors that are making these contributions and you look at their cause and you look at the backgrounds of the individuals that are there, don't think that there's not a quid pro quo behind every one of those contributions. So I, I use the example of the Kenai River. Bob Penny lives on the Kenai River. He's a sport fisherman. He loves sport fishing and he loves that river more than anybody. And I would say that his $100,000 contribution to the current administration has rented that river for the next four years. The outcomes of that rent of that river for the next four years is that the commercial fleet park their boats during the summertime when the fish are running and the set netters park their nets. They've fished twice this year and told that they're and just recently been told they're done. They're done. And as, and, and then you watch hundreds of thousands of fish go into the river and over escapement is what I hear. 
And I'm not a biologist, but I, you know, a, you know, a million plus fish into the river uh, is more than enough. But really, what he's created is that fishing experience for that sport fisherman. You can go down there and catch reds all day long, and you can limit out in a real short period of time. It's a great experience. We don't have kings anymore. The king fishery is in the tank, and and yet nobody seems to care about that. And yet they 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 pretend to care about it by shutting down the stat matters and the commercial fleet because they're afraid they're going to catch a king. And what I'd say is, is that there needs to be more balance in that process. But we are for sale. That's an example. And you're right, Chris, they're special interests. They're buying their way into the state. You know, the environmentalists have got a lock hole on Alaska and every project that ever comes up. You know, in Moose Pass, uh, Homer Electric's been trying to put in a hydro project for the last 12 years. And now they want to build a road. And they're told, well, one side of the... Uh, next to the Iditarod Trail, the original Iditarod Trail. You, you can't build it next to that trail, so you have to move to the other side. And then the community's arguing that, no, that's a walking trail. You can't build it there either. you got to have a road to the dam. And, again, we create so many roadblocks. Uh, the environmentalists kill every good project that ever even tries to be developed in Alaska. And we wonder why we're sitting here living off oil. It's a great thing that we have oil. But our pipeline's two-thirds empty, and no, there's no urgency to put another barrel of oil or extra barrel of oil in it ever again, I guess. Right. And, you know, I guess electricity now is, is, is taking the lead, and, and the state's considering putting plug stations in everywhere and spending more money to do that, too, so that you can charge your electric car. That's, you know, the energy that's produced behind it is uh, produced by a hydrocarbon, and so we talk out of both sides of our mouths. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. You mentioned going around and talking to your constituents and what people are talking about. And that's what always interests me when I talk to candidates, because candidates can say all they want about, you know, here's my position on this. Here's my position on that. But Charlie, I want to know what are the people saying? What are the folks that you're talking to? And you've been, you've been up in Fairbanks, you've been in Kodiak, you've been, uh, you know, all points in between the Matsu. What are the constituents saying to you right now? Well, if you're in Ketchikan, they want uh, they want their ferry service back, right? And and they want regular service along there. I know it's a very expensive option to provide that service, and that's one of the reasons it was it was cut. And um, they're frustrated. They're frustrated. And I I hear from so many people. You know, the current administration's got to go. Current administration's got to go. They haven't done what they said to do. They made promises. They never delivered. You know, they're watching their PFD be surrendered to the uh, to make payments on the debt, and that and and yet, you know, there's just no urgency. There, I hear from them that well, there just seems to be no will. They 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 don't really like that 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 conversation that that's commonly had by any of the legislators. Well, there's just no will to change it. There's just no will right, to change right. It. It's back to Chris. Chris, you're absolutely right. The special interest in the room is thick and, and they're solid and they stick together and you can never, ever get anything done. So I'm not naive to it. I know it's a huge challenge, but I believe that we have to, I have to be a lobbyist too, right? As a governor, I have to go in and lobby and be uh, influential to make change and to do what's in the best interest of Alaskans. And it's time to put Alaskans first instead of a, a small group of uh, of special interest folks and lobbyists. And, and, and boy, it's a tough game. It gives me a headache to even think about it. But, 
you know, someone's got to try to change the game. No one's gone in there and ever tried to change the game or argue that or been willing to use a red pen. That's part of the governor's responsibility right. to hold them accountable, use the red pen. <clears throat> and you know what? I'm okay with going on the record and saying, no, it happened, but I didn't agree with it. Right. I vetoed it. I vetoed it and they overrode it. And so when you, and then when that happens, you as a voter and you as a constituent need to hold your elected official accountable. That's well, what has to this strong governor is important. Donna Ardwin is in the chat room who has plenty of experience with governments and governors and legislators. As she said, in her experience, legislators want the governor to give them cover in going against special interest. If the governor stays strong, legislators happily go along with good policy. And that's what they need, a strong governor who will take that stand. And like you said, if you veto it, then they've got to go on the line and override the vetoes. And then they can say to the special interest, well, I couldn't go against it because my constituents wouldn't like it. So I can't override the governor's veto. Sorry. Just like you talked about. I mean, that's what they need. They need a strong governor. And I think that's, you know, what you're proposing here and what you're bringing to the table is that strong type of leadership, proven leadership in that regard. Well, I've said to many of my legislators, I said, at some point, we'll send a group of legislators to Juno that'll say no and mean it and actually stand behind their word and mean it, because that's what it's going to take. It's going to take a group of leaders to go in and say, look, we need to reprioritize what it is we're spending all the money on. And what I would do as governors that identify the things that we are required to do, that we have to do. And then I'd also identify the things that we're spending money on that we don't have to do. And so, you know, you, you must do this. You don't have to do this, but it'd be nice to have this. And then we start negotiating. We start looking at the priorities and we try to bring, the, bring that budget in into line. We need to, we need to um, you know, restrict spending, travel. Travel's a big one. You know, we stopped traveling in our borough and it saved us a bunch of money. Uh, you know, we put a hiring freeze on. It saved us a bunch of money. Look at all the in the budget. Look at all the positions that are budgeted but never filled. And then at the right. end of and at the end of the fiscal year, here's something to pay attention to. In June of in June in Alaska is probably when most of the departments in the state of Alaska spend what's left. And and so right. if you've got a budget, if you've got a position budgeted there. You're probably going to spend it. You'll probably look at it and say, "Well, we got the money. We can afford to do that. Let's go buy the new desk, or let's go buy the new, new uh, computer system." And and it's called shopping in June. And and you know, I, I I'm going to have commissioners that I'm going to hold accountable to stop that. Right. They have to stop that. And there's a lot of little spending that, that takes place. And you know what? Every dollar that you save is a dollar that you don't have to collect. And I'm cheap. And I'm cheap. I'm conservative and I'm cheap. And so there's a lot of things that that we need, that we must do, that we have to do to deliver the services. And those are things we're going to do. And the things that we don't necessarily have to do, I, I might just say no to them. And, and, you know, when the legislature puts it in there anyway, I might just veto it. So um, that's the kind of governor that I'll be in. And, you know, um, Alaska... I don't think that I want to sit around and watch another four years of what we've been doing. I'm sick no. of it. Yeah, no. I've been up here for 47 years and watched us spend that money off the pipeline. You know, I heard I heard a, a, a campaign, an individual campaign, and it really kind of, you know, warmed me to the individual. And, and he said, 
Alaskans have yet to see the best days of Alaska. And I think that I have seen the best days of Alaska. And I'll tell you why. It's because there was a time when we had 2 million barrels a day flowing through our pipeline. Right, we had, right. We had, we had what, almost 2,000 workers on the North Slope. Um, today, you've got, what, six to 800 uh, folks working on the North Slope. Half last, as much, yeah. yeah Charlie, so <clears throat> Charlie I'm, uh, I'm coming up against it here. I want to thank you for coming on board. Charlie Pierce, charlie-2022.com is where you find him. Um, I appreciate you coming on board with us today, Charlie. Uh, we're we're going to – we'll take you here over the break real quick and give you a final thoughts on the other side, but don't go anywhere. I'm coming up against the hard break. Uh, we got more coming up. Scott Clayton is going to be an hour two. He's running as a candidate in District N for the State Senate. We'll return with that. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Charlie, I'm sorry we ran uh, we ran out the clock. I was listening to you and didn't look up at the clock. So I want to give you the chance to do uh, you know to give your 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 elevator pitch or anything else you got going on. Meet and greets. Uh, give you the last. I'll give you the floor here for the last couple three minutes here. Well, tonight from five to seven, we're going to be at Kaladi Brothers on Brayton Drive in Anchorage, and uh, uh, hope you can stop by and meet and meet us and and uh, say hello and. Um, we're going to go up to Fairbanks for uh, a couple of meetings up there in Fairbanks and at Pike's Wednesday morning, we're scheduled to have a um, uh, breakfast that's been hosted by Pike's. And, and uh, I would say that there's limited number of folks that are allowed to do that. We're taking, uh, there's 18 uh, um, table seats for 18 and we still have five. So if you, like to attend or uh, join us for breakfast on Wednesday morning. I'd love to have you. You just need to call the campaign and get your name on the list. Okay. And uh, Jay is Jay sponsoring that, and I appreciate Jay and Pikes uh, for doing that. And uh, all right, so they get a hold of the campaign if they want uh, on Wednesday morning at Pikes Landing in Fairbanks. They can get on the list and uh, and uh, and have a – it'll be a good campaign breakfast there for everybody. And then tonight in Anchorage, Brayton Drive, Kaladi Brothers in Anchorage. What time does it start tonight? Uh, 5 to 7. 5 to 7. All right. Well so, – Think about us. I think that uh, we've got – me and Edie Grunwald, I think we make a great team. We're going to do some great things if we're elected and, and – uh, we're uh, we're out there. We're going to be out there. We're going to run this thing to the end, and we'll see where we can whether we can flip it or not. Well, Charlie, um, you have my support. I hope that uh, I hope that more names, uh, more people start recognizing the name. I know that I've talked to uh, quite a few people over the last few months, and they're like Charlie, who? So you've got some good written name recognition in your uh, in your local area, but we're working on seeing if we can get. Uh, you know, more recognition for you across the rest of the state. And I know you've been beating the streets trying to get that done as well, but we would definitely love to see you get into that fourth position um, for the uh, primary so that then we, or for the, uh, yeah, for the primary. So then we can focus on that final run from there until the general election. And then maybe we can have some debates or something, uh, something substantive where you could participate and show the differences that uh, need to be shown. I would appreciate that. I'd look forward to that. Yeah. I, uh, I want to thank everybody that has supported us. And if you haven't, uh, I would encourage you to reach out to us. 
and uh, tell us why and give us a shot. Let us uh, let us explain ourselves. If if folks don't have uh, any money, real if they can't contribute monetarily, Charlie, what's the best way to support your campaign outside? You know, of that? call uh, do call make calls for us. You know, talk to your friends. Uh, you know, uh, signs. We need help with putting up signs and and uh, coordinating that in in the local communities. We've got a lot of requests for signs, and and uh, it just takes us extra time to get there because we've got so few volunteers. But we're doing it. We're making it happen. So. So people could volunteer to distribute signs or be yeah, part of the yeah. campaign in that way. Answer phones, do whatever. Yeah, you bet. Make phone calls. Yeah. You know, call your friends. If you know, if, if every ten uh, individuals reached out for another ten and another ten and another ten, we could kind of make this thing happen. Yeah. Yeah. No, we could make we could make it happen in a big way. Right. All right. Well, Charlie, thank you for coming on board this morning. I appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate you, Michael. All right, sir. We will talk to you again soon. Thank you so much. Charlie Pierce, our guest here on the Michael Duke show, um, giving us the, giving us the full rundown here, uh, on what's happening out there. Um, God, I mean, I just, I just want to shake people sometimes. What do you mean? You haven't heard of Charlie Pierce. There's the guy that could get the job done. And all they, you know, all they, all they talk about the big money. I mean, that's the, you know, that is the downside to um, this latest decision in the legislature not wanting to control um, or put limits on the contribution limits. Now we've got candidates that are going to be raising, you know, millions of dollars for the governor's race. And the little guy like Charlie, who doesn't have the, who's not in the, who doesn't have the support of special interest, who doesn't have, uh, you know, the name recognition that some of these other folks have, um, is going to be hard pressed to uh, to compete with those with that number of dollars. There's just no two ways about it. All right. Well, I'm glad we're able to get Charlie on. We'll try and bring him back on here again um, uh, shortly. Uh, we've only got what are we? Were we three weeks out now? Two and a half, three weeks out from the general election. Um, We'll try and have Charlie back on next week. Uh, I haven't. I haven't even heard from the uh, from the Dunleavy administration or the campaign, rather, not the administration, but the campaign. Um, <clears throat> and in fact, he hasn't even really been. He hasn't even really been campaigning. That's kind of the weird thing is that he hasn't even really. The governor really hasn't even been campaigning. It's like he just must figure that it's a lock and. Uh, but we haven't heard from him. But we'll we'll see. We're gonna we're gonna have Charlie back on here maybe next week, and we'll we'll break down some specifics on some of the things that we're gonna talk about. But now we're coming up into hour two uh, in the commercial break. Here we're about uh, two minutes away, and I believe we now have Scott Clayton on the line, ready to go. Are you with us, Scott? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? I can hear you. You all ready to rock and roll this morning? Yeah, we're ready to go. All right, uh, good. Uh, we've got uh, we've got Scott Clayton on the line. Hold the line, Scott, um, and we'll be back to you. It's just you and me and sixty or seventy of our closest friends on Facebook right now, as we get ready to rejoin the radio, folks. Like and share this show. Like and follow the show page if you would. Um, also, if you're out on YouTube, do all the YouTubey things. Subscribe, ring the bell. You know, Twitch. You can follow us. All that good jazz. Scott Clayton is our guest up next. It is the Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based. 
free thing in radio. Here we go. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live across the world on the interwebs and around the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator, it is the Michael Duke Show broadcasting live. I've got to find the right screen here. Good morning and welcome to the program. Thanks for coming in. Hour two, we just finished up with Mayor Charlie Pierce, who's running for governor. If you missed that conversation, you can go back and listen to it on the podcast or uh, off any of the live uh, Facebook or YouTube uh, streams where they archive all that stuff. Good conversation with Charlie. We'll bring him back on here hopefully next week as we do the rundown to the primary. Meanwhile, uh, we're going to shift gears a little bit and come up to my my area here in the Matsu to my Senate district and talk with a potential candidate uh, for that seat. Scott Clayton is a GOP candidate running for District N uh, up here in the um, uh, in the Matsu area against uh, the current incumbent, David Wilson. And Scott joins us this morning to discuss it. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. Thanks for having me on. I uh I appreciate the chance to kind of talk about this uh, race. This is an important election. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I agree with you, Scott. I think it is important. Um, I think that uh, um, our uh, our senator has uh, had, uh, you know, been in a position to place some key votes and to make some key decisions, not uh, all of which I agree with. And I think it's uh, I think it's a good time for an option to change if we want to. And I'm looking forward to that. Um, I, uh, I want to... Uh, invite you first off to kind of tell people who you are, where you, you know, where you come from, what your background is and, um, and, uh, you know, just give us a little bit of insight into who, uh, who Scott Clayton is. Well, no, thank you. Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting. I, you, you mentioned that, uh, it could be good to get some new blood in the Senate. I agree. I think that, you know, one of the biggest obstacles we have in the state of Alaska is that we, we, we elect the same people and then expect change, you know, and, and a lot of people, they focus on uh, uh, federal races. It's, it's a lot more sexy. It's a lot more fast paced than the state races, but state is where we feel it, you know? Uh, but I, I grew up here in Alaska and Eagle river. I uh, moved here when I was 14 from New Mexico. So I guess, you know, I, uh, I always envied people that could say they were 100% Alaska grown, you know, um, went down to Idaho for a time, uh, went to business, uh, business school down at BYU, Idaho, 
uh, <laughs> ended up starting all through school. I worked uh, washing windows. Really, really <laughs> amazing opportunity. <laughs> no, it was great. I I went down there, and actually some roommates <clears throat> were saying, yeah, you know, I think the local McDonald's is hiring. Back then it was, uh, it was like six bucks an hour to work there. And, right. Uh, they had jobs on campus as well. Those were even worse. They were in the middle of the night. I think they paid five bucks an hour. You know, it's terrible. Uh, anyways, I, I was going through my apartment. You know, it's typical college apartment, nothing in it, an oatmeal and, you know, maybe toilet paper. But you go and you find some paper towels and Windex. And I said, hey, I have an idea. So I went, you know, door to door, paper towels and Windex saying, hey, I'll wash every piece of glass in the house for 20 bucks. And, you know, everybody surprisingly said yes. Actually, it's probably not too surprising because 20 bucks every piece of glass in the house. But, uh, you know, that was that was my mindset. I said, you know, I don't want to go and work, uh, you know, at McDonald's for seven bucks an hour. And, you know, I, I just can go door to door and make it on my own. And, right. um, yeah, I, I ended up turning that into pretty good business and uh, hired some friends and hired eventually turned it into a commercial window washing company started doing some uh, commercial buildings and um i remember i went into this uh this this professor i was studying uh, exercise physiology at the time and i he was a business teacher and i said hey listen some of my guys are asking about taxes and insurance and i said this is above my pay grade i'm just a window washer and he sat down like i had a lemonade stand. They said, well, tell us about your uh, little lemonade window washing stand. And I said, well, I got <laughs> 11 guys doing, you know, five jobs a day. And he said, okay, sit down. We need to talk because you're probably going to go to jail tomorrow. So uh, it was, it was a really that, I, you know, I say I go to, I went to business school. I really, that was my schooling. And it was, uh, Lots of lessons learned, you know, and uh, I, that was my true education on do's and don'ts for business. Now you guys came Um, up, you came up to Alaska when you were 14, right? Your family moved up here from, uh, where, from New Mexico or? Yeah, my dad worked for the Indian Bureau of Affairs and then he moved up to the Corps of Engineers. So he was a chief architect for the Corps of Engineers up here. So that was, that was cool, you know, talking to my dad about some of the projects uh, that he could talk about. Very, very exciting stuff. He, he really, I mean, our family just completely fell in love with the state. So, you know, we, we would drag up uh, some of our family that, it, uh, you know, married off and moved all over the, the country. But we'd, we'd always drag them back up to the state. And, um, yeah, everybody, everybody's jealous that we lived up here. So we, we <laughs> fell in love with it. Uh, yeah, after school, I went into the Marine Corps. It was a Ford Observer. Uh, and I, you know, I, I did you, did you serve in the, in the Marine Corps? I did not. I am a huge Marine Corps supporter, but I did not serve. It's a salty gun club. It is. It is. It is. Um, it's a good place. I, I was a Ford Observer, which means I, I was the dude in the, in the bush calling out targets for air support and mortars and artillery and naval fire is an amazing job. Uh, there's nothing like being on OP an observation point and watching an A-10 fly over. You can feel it in your bones. Um, sneaking up, sneaking up on the enemy and, and, uh, and telling everybody where to point the trigger. Yeah. Funny thing, you know, you, you go to these units, you're a division level assets. So you, you meet up with these infantry units and they say, Hey, who's this guy with a protractor, you know, and, and what's, what's he all about? He has a, 
he has a map pen. And, you know, you'd be riding in the, I, I worked with LAR, so light armor reconnaissance, and uh, we'd be going up to maneuvers, and all of a sudden the whole unit, the, the whole caravan would stop. And, you know, I'd get off with my security detail. I'd pick three guys prior, and uh, we'd break off and start beelining it up the hill and set up an OP while they're doing a maneuver. And they, you know, every time they looked at you like, who's this guy that's getting out easy and breaking off? And what they don't know is that you're up there doing uh, overwatch, calling in hellfire uh, so that they can go and get the job done. Yeah. And you meet back for lunch and they say, hey, thanks for watching the back. So <laughs> it's good stuff. Uh, well, really, it, it came down to um, after the Marine Corps, my wife said, we can move anywhere that's not cold. And I said, perfect. <laughs> perfect. We're going to Alaska. I know. <laughs> yeah, I know just the place. That's funny. All right. Well, let's um, let's uh, dive into the moment that, um, well, I mean, that you lost your mind. What exactly did you lose your mind? What, what, what was the thing that said Scott Clayton, one day, entrepreneur, businessman, husband, father said, you know what? Matters hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. I'm going to go ahead and run for office. What was the aha moment for you that caused that to uh, cause that to happen? Was it a single event? Was it a culmination? Give, give me the rundown. Well, no, I'll tell you exactly when it was. Uh, so I work UXUI for a company in, in Texas. It's pitch 59. Uh, COVID shook everybody up. It made me uh, work from home and lots of time on my hands and what i was hearing from my friends who were teaching throughout the borough uh said man teachers are uh, uh not coming back to school we have you know 60 100 people absent anyways there was a need teaching and i i started to substitute teach to fill that need because i could push my time my work forward so um jumped into some of the the i mean i always wanted to teach i never thought i would but uh first day teaching uh, I came back and I said, Morgan, we uh, can't send our kids to public school. We have to homeschool. There's no way. And she <laughs> said, well, what do you mean? And I said, it's just, it's, I had no idea. I had no idea how bad it was. So uh, where, when I decided to run is when I had a young man come up and say, what are you talking about? I don't, I don't have to turn that in. I'm going to pass anyways. He understood he knew he knew what he could do to get through. Kids are very smart, right? And what people don't understand is that kids take the path of least resistance. They fall to the bar that we set, right? So kids know, oh, are you saying that I don't have to do this assignment and I can still get through? This is why it's very funny. Uh, I, I listen to all things politics, state and federal, and uh, I listen to candidates, sitting senators, house reps. I listen to their solutions for school. Almost every single time they bring up money. And, uh, you know, I had like a two hour conversation the other day. Wonderful lady, very concerned, mother of three, very concerned about the school system. And she was talking to me about Common Core and, you know, valid, valid concerns, valid, uh, you know, federal uh, hands need to get out of our school systems 100%. That's a thing I'm a. Uh, big proponent of, but let me just say, I, I don't think any of that would matter at all. I, I don't, I, money is not the issue here. I don't think that the curriculum is the issue. I don't, I think we could teach them 
anything we want if we maintain the same expectations and uh, and and how we structure our schooling. It wouldn't matter. They just wouldn't make a difference. Kids have learned that there are social passes that they'll they'll move forward without doing anything. So right. um, I think that's uh, a very um, alarming uh, problem within our community and. And it's the scariest thing. It's the thing that bothers me the most because it's a slow-moving problem. We don't see the effects of it right away. So right. this is something that will affect generations so, forever. So, so was, this the, was this the thing that made you say, by golly, I mean, not only are we going to homeschool our kids, I need to, now I need to run it. for office? Or was the, that, I mean, what That was, is it. So that's the, correct. I came home and I said, this is the problem. I started to attend school board meetings, city council. All of a sudden I looked up and saw Holy cow, 28, an open seat. I'm running. And then I said, wait, Jesse Sumner or David Wilson, which one is the uh, the person that I want to run against? And I was like, well, Jesse, compared to David Wilson, David Wilson is, he, we, we got to get him out. So I said, no, I'll run for the Senate. I, I, I have the energy. See, David Wilson, he'll outfund me 10 times over. Right. But I'll outwork him 100 times over. So there's just no way. <laughs> um so, and let me just say, I don't want to find problems. Many people do this. They say, I can find problems all day with the government. Well, good job. Let's talk about solutions. So right now we see in the school system, no, no consequences for inaction, right? For these kids. So this is, this is something we could talk about. I've right. talked to every teacher I've served around proactively saying, what's the solution here? What, what do we do? And they say, well, our hands are tied. We can't do anything to discipline them. I think uh, there was a bill put forward talking about reconnecting teachers and parents. It was an excellent idea. What it did is if a student is falling behind, the teachers can notify the parents. That seems like common sense, but it wasn't right. happening. Right. That's a big deal. Uh, one of the other things that I think we should do is implement a social consequence. That means summer school. So if you fail your class, you now need to make up that class in summer school. That's common sense, too. And people are like, well, what about the kids? They need their summer. No, no, they need to learn. They need to take it serious. <laughs> they need their summer. But that's a reward. I mean, that's a so you have yeah. to succeed to make it happen. Uh, Scott Absolutely. Clayton. Scott Clayton is our guest GOP candidate for Senate District N. Clayton for AKSenate.com is his website. We're going to continue with him here. Scott, hold the line. We're going to continue with him here in just a moment. And we'll return. We'll have more uh more calls uh, or more uh, questions for him. We're going to talk specifically since education seems to be his hot button. We'll talk about some of the things that can be fixed there in his mind. We'll talk about PFDs, budgets, and more. It's all directly ahead. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll be back with more in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Scott Clayton returns with us right after this. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're in the uh, we're in the break right now. Scott Clayton is our guest. Um, 
Uh, we, uh, I'm going to go back through some of the questions here in the chat room, uh, Scott, and see what, uh, see what else, uh, everybody else has to say. Lifting mediocrity standards has to start with HR, says somebody. Uh, we realized our granddaughter was using 45 minutes of her 55-minute English class watching videos. We were able to look at her log in the computer. We contacted her teacher. She had no idea. Craziness. The pandemic has exposed the faults of public schools, says somebody. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, uh, let's see. Um, three candidates. I'm shocked at how bad high schools are in this state. Passive is the perfect word for uh, Wilson. Uh, he's a rhino, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I mean, I think you said something fairly awesome early on, Scott, and it's something I've been saying for years, which is we can't keep electing the same people and expect different results. I mean, that's the definition of insanity, right? Uh, electing uh, certain people to the, to the to the thing and expect, oh, this time they're going to get it right. When their track record is... No. Uh, I mean, David uh, Wilson has been kind of an on-again, off-again friend of uh, fiscal conservancy and the PFD. And uh, what we're looking for, especially in the Matsu, in this red state, I think is somebody who is more fiscally conservative overall and is willing to uh, uh, and is willing to, uh, you know, stand up and fight for those things. Well, no, that's that is absolutely correct. I uh you know, I, I don't profess to be the most intelligent person in the world. I think David Wilson has uh, three times the degrees I do. I know somebody that has um, quite a few degrees uh, as well. Her name is Kamala Harris, and I think we see how that's going. I think people elect these politicians uh, based on, uh, you know, a paper resume, and then they expect them to hold true to the same values that Alaska holds. This is a California social worker that has uh, a Medicaid unemployment on his mind, which, you know, we can see $36 billion in unemployment federally was, was uh, due to improper payments. You know, we look at unemployment, we look at COVID benefits that were dished out, and what did it do? It drove people to do nothing. I and mean, that's just common sense. And so increasing unemployment benefits for the state, you know, that's just, I think, uh, going to further our waste and mismanagement problem. But uh, what I wanted to say is, I, I, you know, I know I'm chewing up this phone line. It's because, you know, you're going to have to excuse me. I, I went to a debate uh, this past week at the uh, the family Matsu uh, diner here in right, town. And right. uh, I mean, I studied for that thing like I was preparing for my MBA accounting exam. And we came and they said, you have one minute to introduce yourself. And then the rest is uh, yes or no questions. And the questions were, you know, are you are you pro Second Amendment? Are you, you know, <laughs> and we, we have huge fish to fry. Right. You know, and we, you're like, wait, have, wait, I was looking for the Lincoln Douglas style debate. What's going exactly. on here? Right? I, I said, I have really big issues to talk about with Senator Wilson. And, and, and what I was going to say is, I'm extremely passionate about education because I think it's the most devastating thing to our community. However, I have a long list of things to get to. Right. And, right. Uh, I, you know, and some of them are dream issues. Some of them are very practical things that we can do. Like, for example, uh, I can sit here and, and I bet me and you can take, you know, two seconds and create a much more secure, simple uh, way to do uh, our elections that are just just, just common sense things, you know, 
Uh, and, and uh, you know, I want to go into a bunch of stuff. I know I have limited time here, but um, I think how we elect our judges is in just bananas. And, right. you know, the, once again, common sense things that affect us greatly. I, I, you know, there was someone that made a really good point about abortion laws saying, even if we had uh, really substantial uh, uh, laws on life here in the state, well, who's going to enforce them if right. our judges are, you know, and, that, well, and that's a great point. No, I mean, I, I totally agree. Um, I'm going to I'll try and keep a little tighter rein on you here, Scott, uh, during the break uh, so that uh, you stay a little bit here on track. I'll do I'll do my best on that. We're coming back into it right now. In fact, uh, let's jump back in the Michael Duke show. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Here we go. All right, we're continuing with Scott Clayton, GOP candidate for Senate District N. Um, we're we're going to come in here, and I'm going to try and uh, uh, we'll keep a little bit of a tighter rein on Scott because he's excited. He's excited. He's motivated, and he is passionate about these things. Um, and before we revisit, uh, before we revisit the education question, let's talk about budgets, okay? Um, okay. Let's let's talk about. I mean. We have got a budget that, in my opinion, is just, I mean, it's out of control. We're spending more than ever before. And, I mean, education, obviously, is a key component of that. Um, it is the second largest line item in our budget, right behind health and social services. Um, and we are spending more on state government in this state than almost any other place per capita. I mean, it's just it's nuts what we're spending. What is your take on the state government and where do you think, you know, and, and if it's out of control, what do you think we should be doing about it? Where can we cut, you know, wh- what can we do here? Okay, we'll pick up the pace here. Uh, I could solve this in two seconds. After 90 days, our Senate and our House still get per diem. Right. Let's solve this right now. After 90 days, you don't get per diem until the budget's done, right? Well, now we have a for sure budget that's going to come out in 90 days if you start cutting, uh, our our uh, legislatures pay after 90 days that's well they know what they did this scott they did this and then they retroactively paid themselves from the date that the budget then from the 90 day mark you, you remember complete that remember corruption th- yeah i mean complete just, yeah. corruption so uh, and and you said it also okay so the i think there are many things that we could do to tighten the budget education is insane we pay 17 and a half thousand dollars for our education per student every other state down the line that has demographics and uh uh, geographics like us, Montana, Idaho, uh, all paying under 10. Nevada pays 11.3. Uh, you know, it, it just no reason that we should be paying this much for education. I think there's a lot that we could do uh, to tighten our budget. Uh, uh, oh, there's so much to get to. Uh, you know, the truth is here, until we start, and, and I've, I've dug into our budget quite a bit, um, seems to be the answer to the budget in most people's opinion as well. We have a tight budget. Let's implement a state tax. Let's get rid of the right. PFD and implement a state tax. Wrong. Let's increase revenue. We have uh, un- unimaginable ways that we can increase our revenue from natural gas lines, precious metal. In fact, I think we should be implementing uh, uh, incentives to bring up third-party manufacturers for our precious metal industry because guess what that does? It brings up uh, companies like Intel. Intel was shopping states 
they were shopping states for a, a chip manufacturing plant. Right. Well, let's bring them up to Alaska. They said we need skilled workers. Well, we have them. We have land to give you. We can give you lots of incentives. So let's increase revenue. Let's actually treat this like the business it is. I mean, no other state has their budget orchestrated like Alaska. So um, I think that's key. Increasing revenue, natural gas line. I say the state invests in 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 doing that. Um, I mean, you can model this after the Panama Canal. All of a sudden, we've created the uh, the pipeline. You pay us for access. There's a uh, um, huge stockpiles of natural gas up north. We could be the facilitator to get that down. Um, I can't believe that we haven't built a refinery in Alaska since, what was it? Uh, forgive me, I forgot the date, but it's been a while. I think that we could. Since the uh, 80s, for sure. 80s, yeah. yeah I yeah. thought it was 70s. I didn't know. Yeah, I think it's the late 70s, early 80s was the last one. But they haven't built a refinery in America in uh, I mean, there's only a dozen refineries across the whole the whole country. I mean, it's it's pretty crazy. Um, so, I mean, you, talking about new revenue, I mean, it, but government is, I mean, does it really need new revenue? Is my question. I mean, the amount of money that we we're do. spending that we're spending on a per capita basis in state spending, do we need more revenue? Shouldn't we be, you know, should we be starving the beast or should we be feeding it at this point? Maybe a little bit of both. The answer is a little bit of both. But number one, Alaska is 10 years behind. So we need to be, you know, I, I think uh, if you could put a label on my my uh, my beliefs here for um, what will be good for Alaska, uh, ports, airports, rail and roads. I think road access throughout the state is abysmal. This is why when we have funded uh, projects like uh, Ambler Road and yet we get restrictions and uh, shutdowns in the construction of it, it's just embarrassing. You know, the fact that we have uh, the in-state access that we do, you know, this goes against uh, our RS2477. Uh, I don't know if you know what that is. It's the right of way. You know, there's there's a huge oh, yeah. list of. So these are huge problems and and they're just getting kicked down the road. Um, you know, Let- the, the Constitution talks about uh, uh, everybody has a right to access their capital. Right. Well, it's it's the the Constitution. The three things that the Constitution really talks about are infrastructure, public safety and education. Right. Those are the three things that are mandated by the state constitution. And we have taken those and spread them out into become much greater, much larger than uh, than what most people, you know, see. And, And yet we failed at infrastructure for sure. We don't have the infrastructure that many other states do, as you talked about. Absolutely. Um, uh, you know, what about the what, what about the permanent fund, the permanent fund dividend? What is your take on that? I mean, do you support the statutory formula? Do you, you do you support this leftover thing? What's your what is your um, uh, take on that? Well, I think it's just uh, well, it needs to be constitutionally written. It needs to be a formula that we just stick to because the fact that they can willy nilly dig into their our fund like they have a right to offset their spending with our PFD is just ludicrous. So that's that's pretty obvious too. I you know they've been getting away with far too much for many years where i think it's just you know not only is it illegal anti what the laws are in place uh so i think that we're owed that money that has been taken you know with interest and you know i think that's a big deal uh but it's also we have a good system in place and they want to break it i had somebody say you know what we should do is we should just take that 87 billion sitting there we should just uh, pay some people a fat check so they're happy, you know, eight thousand, and then 
And then we take the rest and we invest it in the state. And I said, you are, what a, what a short-sighted view you have of a good system we have in place. And I think it's indicative of, of the ideology we have today. It's just, you know, instant gratification instead of forward thinking. This is why our education system is just uh, right. on the ropes right now. 47th in the nation. So, so you support a statutory PFD then? I mean, they should be paid yes, and, it I should, do. and it should be enshrined in the Constitution. What about, a, Absolutely. what about a spending cap, a constitutional spending cap? That's been one of the other things that's been floated around. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We, we can't have these. Uh, uh, and then this is, of course, uh, uh, you know, we have earthquakes, we have natural disasters, we have things that pandemics that happen. That's not that's not what we're talking about with spending cap. No, no. Um, well, that's what the no, remember. That's what the constitutional budget reserve is supposed to be for. I mean, that's exactly. a ten billion dollar fund that we were supposed to have correct. for rainy days, right? Uh, that kind of stuff. Um, education is obviously your hot button issue. You've been talking about that. You participated in it. That was your initial switch. Uh, but we spend more on education, as you pointed out, than any other state uh, of our of similar size and geographic area and, and demographics and everything else. I mean, we need to. The answer to obviously to better education is not more money because we're spending more money. We're still falling at the, at the end. So if it's not more money, what what change needs to? I mean, in fact, I would say that we could cut into education. We could address the funding formula. We could address the overhead and the administrative costs. What are your thoughts on on reducing and fixing the education system then? Well, I mean, you touched on a few things. So first of all, if we got uh, uh, federal money out of our administration, that, that solves a lot of problems right there because uh, not only does that affect the, the social atmosphere of our classrooms, it affects the way that they're run um, and the motivations they're in. So right now we have map testing. What is the curriculum based around? It's gonna be our map testing. So we're basically teaching kids to do well for federal funding, which is bananas. And uh, you you said it right, we could cut down our education costs nearly to below uh, 10,000 and actually put it, see, my, my personal opinion, I don't know, this is a very complex issue, but this is this is on my dream wish. I, okay. I wish we could take a large portion of our school funding and throw it only into our teachers. And the reason behind that is because if you have the most fat and happy teachers on earth sitting comfortably pretty, that that brings up the best teachers from all over the country. Right. Let's do that because guess what? Then it doesn't matter what supplies they have. They can have chalk and, you know, uh, and on ground and they're going to find ways, wonderful ways to teach our kids. They don't need new computers, new technology, new, you know, couches for the classroom. They, teachers that are passionate about teaching will do it uh, if we have good teachers. And so I think that's a that's a huge well, deal. We need competitive teacher pay. Yeah, you've seen the you've seen what's happened with the increase in spending and you've seen the bloat that's happened on the administrative side. I mean, the administrative exactly. side of school systems over the last 20 years has just ballooned out of control. You've got more administrators now in some cases than teachers. And at You're some right. point you got to say, "Wait a second, isn't this about putting the kids back in the classroom and keeping them and getting them taught?" Why is it getting, uh, you know, and why are the funding formulas baked in around that as well? I mean, I think we need to open those up. That's correct. We also have uh, disproportionate funds going to remote places when uh, village schools have the exact same amount of administration and funding than schools uh, here in town. 
uh, that, you know, I just, I see that as a uh, uh, mismanagement of our of our education. What about uh, what about uh, you know the duplication of effort? I mean, we got 54, 53, 54 <laughs> school correct. districts, each one that's with an correct. administration, each one with a. I mean, what about consolidating those down and and the university consolidating that down into a single unit instead of multiple units? What what yeah. about that approach? Well, let me get to something real quick because I know I have limited time and I want to address this real quick. And I, and I agree with I wish I could just sit and chew the oh, yeah, there's so much to get to. Um, I want to talk about one of the bills that I want to work on. And this is kind of uh, this is going to be a lot of work on my end. However, Alaska, we have a list of of state mandatory credits that are need uh, that students need to take. Okay, So it's language arts, four credits, three credits for social studies, two for math, two for science a half a credit for physical education and mental health, health science, and then nine credits to be chosen by the schools. Now, this is my thing. We do our kids no favor by sending them out into the world without any financial or professional knowledge. We should require IR seniors in high school to take a basics finance, basic finance class. Right. Something that talks about student debt about finances, credit cards, mortgages, health insurance, car insurance, everything. Right, life skills, life skills. Life skills, educate them, right. And right. then the second half of the class should be, this is a resume. This is how to be in an interview. You want to be an apprentice and for a plumber? This is what that looks like. You want to work on the North Slope? Here's where they hire. This is a convention to find a job. All of the issues that we experience in society can be summed back to either the home or somewhere after school when they're just wandering, right? right. Let's bridge right. that gap. You know, when you get out of the Marine Corps, you sit with your commander and he says, what do you want to do? You say, I want to go to school. I want to study business. And he says, well, cool. What does that look like? How how are you going to do that? It gets the motor turning in saying, well, there's life after school. I'm not just going to play video games. That's a big deal. I got a a degree and now I'm living in mom's basement smoking weed and and playing Xbox all day, right? I mean, that's... Exactly. Right. Uh, Scott uh, Clayton is our guest. Scott, I'm going to keep you into the third segment here because you've got... You've unpacked a lot of stuff you've got going on here. Uh, But somebody does have a question because you... The reason, again, your trigger to jump into this race and to do this was you became a temporary... You became a temporary substitute teacher during the pandemic to help out. Are you still involved in the school system? Yes, I I plan to substitute teach from now on. You know, I I think anybody can make time. I I can make time in my life to do at least one day one day a week. It's something I become passionate about, just kind of accidentally. So you're so, part yeah. of it, but not really part of it because you're just in there substituting. But it does give you yeah. an eye opening uh, uh, an eye opening look at what's going on in there, right? Yeah, these kids are wonderful. It's yeah. just disappointing how we're failing them. All right, Scott Clayton is our guest. We're going to take another break, and then we're going to come back. Um, and we're going to get into some more specifics. We'll talk to him about what his constituency is saying and more. We'll also talk about the Charter of Changes and get his take on the Charter of Changes, which he's probably panicking about right now because he probably has no idea what we're talking about. But we're going to get into that here in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show continues. Scott Clayton is our guest. We'll return right after this. Our light, our guide, and our trusted friend. Michael Duke Show. (laughs) 
Okay, uh, Scott uh, Politidick has uh, something to say, and I think it's actually a good. Uh, I think it's a good something, and I'll I'll get your take on it. He says, just like all things, excuse me, just like all ideas to fix things, it all sounds good. What we don't hear from all politicians is not a single one of them can tell you how it's going to actually happen until those flooding in the dark money through PACs is eliminated. Nothing is ever going to change. Why? Because you are all bought and paid for to follow their agenda that they have paid for. Now, not saying specifically you, but this is a lot of great ideas. But as one of 60, that's what you would be, Scott Clayton, one senator out of 60 legislators, it's a heavy lift to get all these things changes. Well, let me let me comment to that because I listen, I'm you know what? <laughs> if I wasn't running, I'd be playing hockey. I'd be on my team talking about the stuff in the locker room saying this is insane. And a lot of people can point out problems. It's about fixing them. I believe uh, we have programs like uh, uh, Superintendent Tranny came out with PLC Mondays. He's going to be implementing that year. I think this is a great idea. This is this is uh, a teamwork of teachers that are constantly uh, uh, standardizing their curriculum. They're improving uh, uh, classroom etiquette. It's a good it's a good start. Uh, I think you could take that on a state level. Uh, that's a pretty simple uh, thing. Uh, it, not simple in in uh, uh, getting it through those sixty um, members of the legislature. I believe that I I can play a part of this because of power for of power of persuasion. So one of the things I look at as a candidate is how how persuasive is he uh, with other people and pointing out common sense issues. I know that's not uh, uh, easier said than done, um, but it's a start, you know. And and I tell people at doors, I knock doors. That's that's how I outwork Wilson here is, you know, I, I don't have the ability to go in and vote for everybody. That's pretty obvious. And, uh, you know, I, I guess I can only offer what I expect out of my candidate. And that's, okay, you say you're going to vote this way. Are you going to change your mind? And there's no way to convince you that I'm, you know, uh, going to stand true other than saying, <laughs> I am. I that's a that's a hard thing to sell somebody on. I uh, there are some hills that you die on, right? Well, and, and that's one of them. You know, <laughs> it is. Uh, I mean, it, it is a. I can't imagine the frustration of trying to be one of sixty, trying to convince everybody. And every time, <laughs> look, every time you use the word, you use the phrase "common sense," Scott, you owe me a quarter because that's trademark. Common sense radio is my thing. So, I say. <laughs> but no, look, yeah, I mean, it, it is it common sense. It's amazing they call it common. It's so rare because. That's what happens. You and I think of it as common sense, and everybody else looks at us like we've got a third arm growing out of our forehead. You know, when we start talking well, no, about and, some and of this stuff. The the person that made that comment. Let me let me just say, I I think he points out something so true, but there's really no way. I mean, if that person that commented that was running, if the same thing could be said to him and say, well, what are you going to do? You're right. It takes it takes a group of thinkers, people that aren't a part of a binding caucus that have been bought before they even know what they're involved in. Right. I think that should be illegal. Maybe we should make a law that says you can't be in that because it it eliminates the ability for uh, uh, introducing laws that the majority doesn't agree with. And that might stop momentum for these kind of programs. So, you know, let's start by getting rid of the uh, binding caucus. Let's get somebody who's persuasive and can sell uh, an idea. And if that happens, if ultimately we can't convince the 60 legislators, let's put it to a vote. Because guess what? Every door that I knock when I talk about this 
financial plan for implementing one of the nine electives. Like, hey, listen, I like basket weaving as much as the next person. But if you ask me if I think that we should implement a a free club advisory day in school above a financial professional readiness day, you know, you're crazy. And I think all parents agree with that. So, you know, if I can't convince 60 legislatures, 59 legislatures that that's a good idea, well, let's put it to vote because parents do think it's a good idea. Right. Well, and Donna Ardwin's in the chat room. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Donna, but uh, former OMB director uh, and has worked with many states to bring them back into fiscal certainty. And she says 11 good conservatives in the Alaska Senate could make a huge difference. So, yes, I mean, you could find, I agree. you know, you could be one of those 11 uh, making that huge difference. And that's what uh, it's definitely what we need to do. Um, we're going to talk, agree. we're going to talk a little bit about the binding caucus. The charter of changes, uh, Scott is four changes that I came up with a few years ago that I thought would make a huge difference in the state and, uh, and move the state forward. And so we'll go over those four changes here in the last part of this next segment. Uh, I'm going to give you a chance to summate your ideas on, uh, on the PFD and the budget, and then we'll move on to the charter of changes. But I just wanted to give you kind of a, a, a heads up on it. Um, uh, it, it's not a thing, but if you teach basket weaving, at least you can sell the basket, the baskets. <laughs> well, <laughs> true, true. It's true. But you have, but they wouldn't know how, because they don't have any course in basic, you know, business or math. They wouldn't really know. I mean, they could make the baskets, but then they just look at them and go, they'd be like Scott, like, Hey, I'm about to go to jail tomorrow <laughs> because I got a bunch of employees and I don't know anything about taxes or running a business. All right. Hold the line here, Scott. We're about to jump into this. The Michael Duke show, common sense, Liberty based free thinking radio, like and share. Let's go. All right. Welcome back to the program. Scott Clayton is our guest, GOP candidate for Senate District 9. You can find him on the web at ClaytonForAKSenate.com. He joins us. One final segment today. Scott, I want to finish up with uh, the budgetary issues. Obviously, education is your hot button. Um, you're substituting uh, one day a week or whatever right now, and that was really your trigger to jump into this race, was you you volunteered for the first time during the pandemic to uh, to substitute teach and, and you saw how big of a mess it is. And of course that just leads us to the rest. But we were talking about budgets, you know, the, the spending cap in the constitution. Yes. Paying a statutory PFD. Yes. Putting the PFD in the constitution. Yes. Uh, you know, cutting down on the general size and scope of government. Although you say we should have more revenue, we could generate more revenue. I guess my question is, is that a good thing? I mean, not, I think, gener- I think, I think generating revenue for in and of itself is not necessarily a bad thing, having diversity. But the question is, should we give the government more money than it has already when they're spending fifteen, sixteen thousand dollars $16,000 for every man, woman, and child in the state? Well, for sure, we could reallocate resources to infrastructure away from uh, uh, waste, fraud, uh, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of waste within the state. Um I think increasing revenue is the only way to really progress as a state as we should and need. Um, I think that we also have untapped resources, graphite, cobalt, the things that we aren't touching that could bring more revenue to the state to do good. And in saying, should the government do this, 
I, I, you know, I'm a very libertarian guy. Government should stay out of our business. Right. I think they're failing us in in the case of education, of protecting our rights. For example, uh, you know. Well, I mean, I think our they, crime state. To, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think infrastructure. I mean, you're talking about resource development. The one thing we don't have that can facilitate resource development is the infrastructure to do it. And every time so we talk about correct. building a road somewhere, somebody starts crying and screaming and, and gnashing their teeth about wanting to build a road in the pristine Alaska. But it's the only thing that helps us develop our resources. And you're right, we're a huge resource state. Right. And, and, and there's no need to implement a state tax to run our government. I think that we're not in the phase of Alaska. Well, no, that's, that's not how to phrase that. I think that it's just unnecessary. And if we had um, uh, uh, a more efficient budget where, where things stand right now, we could offset a lot of the costs to build up our infrastructure by implementing more revenue avenues through different resource development. And there's a lot more that we could do that's good infrastructure-wise. And when I say more government spending, it is not an overlapping. I want more programs. No, that's not for it. Couldn't be further from the truth. I'm talking about we don't have roads that connect our villages. That's a huge deal. Uh, we don't have access for our mining communities and for uh, oil companies to really uh, increase production and, and, and grow our industries. That's a huge deal, too. Um, all of these things would be better for the state, uh, you know, and and. KGB, second most dangerous road in state. <clears throat> this is here in Matsu Valley. What in the heck is going on there? We need to, uh, uh, there's more that we could do in state. And there's no way to do it without either cutting huge swaths from our budget as is or increasing revenue. And I think both can happen. Uh, Scott Clayton is our guest GOP candidate for Senate District N. Clayton for AKSenate.com is his website. All right, let's uh, let's get down into the Charter of Changes, uh, Scott. The Charter of Changes is a um, uh, is a, uh, a, a, a I guess four points that I came up with earlier. Uh, here about four years ago, I guess. And I said, these four changes would make all the difference in the world. They could save Alaska for future generations. Change the players, change the venue, change the rules, and change the funding. That's the Charter of Changes. So let me break it down to you. Charter of Change number one, changing the players. Now, I would assume that you are in favor of this because, again, we talked about you can't send the same people back over and over again and expect different results. So we have to change the players. You're running for office. I'm assuming that you support changing out the players in that attempt to get those, like we were talking about earlier, the 11 conservative senators in the Senate and the 21, 22 conservative folks in the in the House, right? That is correct. Okay. So changing out the players is always a gimme for most people because it's easy. Changing the venue, and you and I have touched on this briefly, that Juno is so far removed from everything that's going on and it's so far out there. My suggestion has been not to change the capital, not to move the capital, but to change where the legislative sessions are held, that we should hold the legislative sessions on the road system where 90 percent, 85, 90 percent of Alaskans could climb in a car and within a handful of hours could be where the legislature is meeting and sit in on the meetings, it can can poke them in the chest or pat them on the back, can testify in person, can look them in the eye and be part of the government instead of having it be way far away, cloistered 
Eastern where you have to spend thousands of dollars to go. Uh, instead, for a tank full of gas, you could drive down, make your testimony, drive back. I mean, it, it could be something easy. Changing the venue is moving the legislative session onto the road system, somewhere on the road system. What say you? Well, I say that you just said everything that I would say and then some, but I, I, I'll tell you this, you know, that's the perfect first step is we don't have to move the Capitol. Let's move the session so that we can hear testimony. The fact that people have to call in, zoom in, there's no power there. That's that's madness. So that should be done uh, just right off the bat. And I know there's tons of money involved. I mean, if that's not the biggest example of of corruption is is how many uh, uh, legislators have properties that they're running over in Juneau, you know, right. the incentive to move it. I mean, man, that is just pure corruption. We need to bring that to the state. People need reasonable access to their capital or their legislature. I think both, but um, I understand well, that, you know, the it problem, could be a two-step process. Well, the problem is we voted already six or seven times to move the capital, and it's such a monumental lift. It just doesn't make any sense. But we have held the session on the road system in the past. And so we have there's some, just, you know, um, all right. There's just so much money keeping it there. Just, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm in support of moving the session to the road. System. All right. Changing the rules and changing the rules breaks down into three things. You've already mentioned the first one, the, uh, the binding caucus rule. I mean, that is not only is it unconstitutional in certain States and illegal in other States, we are the only state in the nation that allows for binding caucuses to be used in their legislature. And it's in the uniform rules. It's in the legislature's own rules. It needs to be made illegal, um, it, like it it's is in many wrong. other states. Right. So you're, you're in favor of that, I think. The second, 100%. Yeah, the second one is the uh, Open Meetings Act. The legislature created the Open Meetings Act uh, that, that, you know, no – if you've got a three-person body, no two people. If you've got a six-person body, no three people. You know, no, you anything that you do that deals with public money has to be held out in the open. They made this rule, and then they exempted themselves from this rule. They're the only elected or appointed body in the state that deals with public money that has exempted themselves from this rule, and they can meet in private. They can meet in secret. They can, they can have all the sausage making behind closed doors, and then go out on the floor and just hold a vote and not have to debate it. I think if it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. They should have open meetings uh, a law applied to the legislature. What do you say? 100%. That is absolutely correct. This should not be a behind-closed-doors uh, discussion. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> the third of the rules that would be changed would be the conflict of interest rules. I don't believe that people who have a vested interest in, say, the oil industry should be voting on oil industry bills or commercial fishing shouldn't be voting on commercial, something that would substantively benefit or be to the detriment of the commercial fishing industry. I think, you know, just like every other, I served on a borough assembly, you know, uh, city councils, assemblies, they all have conflict of interest rules that says, I'm I'm sorry, you can't vote on that because you have a substantive interest in that. And yet the legislature's got a rule that just somebody says, well, I object to you not voting. So then they vote. And and I think that that's wrong. I think if the conflict of interest rules are good for one body, they should be good for all. What do you say? Well, I say you look at David Wilson's bills that he's putting forward, and then you look at his donation records, and a lot of things make sense. And mm -hmm. I think that's just wrong. So I completely agree with that. I think that uh, you know, this is a process that shouldn't be bought. Um, you know, yeah, yep. I, uh, 
I completely agree. The fourth one is the changing of the funding, and that's the way that the governor writes the budget. I think it should either be zero-based or it should be based on a five-year rolling average of our previous revenues would be a good way to get a good start to have an idea. Not expenditures, but revenues, what we actually took in so that we have a more realistic budget. We should change from what we're doing or just make it flat-out zero-based and say we've got to build the whole thing from scratch. There are smarter people on this than I am, Donna Ardwin for one, but I think we need to change the way that we write the budgets. What do you say? Well, now that is a huge one because if there's nothing that makes me more insane, it's both the federal and the state uh, uh, way of operating the budget. You know, they act like just money grows on trees. And, you know, I'm not professing to be the uh, business guru here, but right. if I ran my businesses like this, I mean, right. not only is it just insane, but it's just, it's not All right. I don't I'm gonna... get to go and just spend anything and then... Right. You guys write the check after. I'll mark you, you know. as a I'll mark you as a yes on that. All right, so you've passed all four of the charter of changes. I'm less than a minute here, Scott. Where can folks meet you? Where can they find out about it quickly here? I got about 40 seconds. Yeah, I have uh listen, you're going to see me come to the door. I'm going to go to everybody's door. Uh everybody's door in my district. So, uh talk to me when I'm at the door. Um you can go to my website, find more information about me. I wish I could discuss all the things that I want to talk about, uh but I uh I am who I say I am. <laughs> right. I know that's deep, but I, uh, I I hope to get your vote, David Wilson. I am a better candidate than him, and I look forward to talking more. All right, Scott Clayton. Clayton for AKSenate.com is the website. Scott, hold the line for just a second. Folks, thank you so much for coming on board. We appreciate you being part of it tomorrow. Brad Keithley, Chris Story. We'll see you then. All right, Scott, I hate being rushed, but I'm up against the hard break. I had a lot no, of... I don't blame you at all. It's a lot you're, of... You're good. If somebody says it's a lot of doors, Scott. It is a lot of doors. This is a huge district. Um, yeah. So yeah. I want to give you a, a final bite at the apple and give you a chance um, to uh, to uh, to sound off here. Laura says, you got my vote, so skip my door and go to the next. Um <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I've been looking for – I personally have been looking for a replacement for for uh, uh, for Wilson here for a while. Um, and I I mean, I – yeah, I, I've been looking for somebody to, uh, to run against him substantive. But I'll give you the last two minutes here, Scott. I want to give you a chance to give me your elevator pitch. You know, give me your elevator pitch for somebody who walks up and says, I hear you're running for state, Senate. Why should I vote for you versus uh, your opponent? What do you say? Oh, am I live right now? Well, you're live on Facebook. We're not on the radio, but it's just me, you, and 75 of our closest friends on Facebook and that's, YouTube. Well, that's great. Thanks for giving me the time. I was washing windows once. This is a good story. I was, uh, it's a country house, one story, window wells. And I get to this window where there's a baby bird right by the window. And uh, I take my rag, lift it out, carry it over to the trees. And this bird just runs right over to the window well, jumps back in the hole. And so I'm like, what the heck? Go over. And I lift this bird out again, walk it further out. And this bird, right as I set it down, goes and jumps back in the hole. And uh, I'm looking at this thing like, what the heck? I'm freeing this bird. Why is it jumping in the hole? This farmer comes over and he says, hey, this is, I mean, this is like a true story. He comes over and he says, I've let that bird out two dozen times since I've been working around here. It just won't get out of that hole. That's how I feel everybody is in Juneau. I don't know what's in the water, but they keep on jumping in these holes. They're spinning like they have no accountability, like nobody's watching and there's no consequences, you know? And I am just tired of it. I think they're not addressing the real problems we face in Alaska. And I want to do that. So I, you know, I'm passionate about this stuff. Uh, I'm a hard worker. Uh, I'm putting in, uh, you know, my money, my time into this campaign. You know, I've been really 
hesitant to ask for donations. I don't, I don't want to see that. I want to just run an honest, hard campaign. Uh, that's why I want to go to the door. So I appreciate the time to talk. I really do. And, uh, you know, I, I hope we can chat a little bit more at some point. Well, I would love to hear, um, I'd love to hear more about some of your ideas and some of your plans. And, uh, I mean, as you say, you're just kind of like, you're, you're so full of ideas. We need to distill it down for you a little bit more and, and make it a cohesive message so that people can understand. So the average person, uh, can understand, doesn't have their eyes glaze over because we got so deep in the weeds kind of thing. So I'm, yeah, look, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, I'm looking forward to finding out more about this. Are you doing any meet and greets or anything, Scott? Are you, are you meeting with people? We're going to be, yeah, well, yeah, we're going to be putting one together here right before the election, the week before the election. I'm going to put out some details on my website and Facebook. I'm still in the works of putting it together. You know, it's just, a, it's a hard game fundraise, fundraising. I, I, it's a tough, tough nut to crack. So, well, and we've got, uh, look, there's a, there's a lot of races going on. There's a lot of people are getting tapped yeah. out pretty early because we've got the congressional seat, the Senate seat, the net on the national level, everything else. I mean, people, it's going to be hard, but uh, yeah, you've just got to get your message out there. And I think that there are probably enough people who are frustrated uh, enough with the incumbent that you should have a pretty healthy shot at making a difference here. Well, I'd appreciate any uh, any uh, uh, sharing of, of, of my content. I, I want to get this message out. I want to talk to people. I'll be at events for other uh, fundraisers as well. So I go and I attend other other candidates' fundraisers, shake hands, talk to people in person. Um, so I'm attending events. Uh, it's uh, I'll, I'll probably put one here out uh, in the near future uh, that people are welcome to come to. But and you've got nothing to announce at this point. You've got signs and stuff like that that people can get. You bet. Okay. Yeah, we're we're rolling out four by eights here this week. We're going to be putting out a whole bunch of them. So okay, you'll be seeing that coming out. All right, we'll go to his website if you want to contact him and uh, get a sign and do whatever. Um, you know, you got to reach out, Scott. You got to ask for help. Um, and uh, I know it's not always easy to ask for money. I found that to be the most difficult thing when I ran for the assembly. But in the long run, people are more than willing to do it if they believe in what you're doing. So. Uh, I, you know, you got my, you got my endorsement here and, uh, and I hope that, uh, I hope that you will continue to uh, work hard and do that. So I appreciate uh, it, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate you coming on and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll put the link in the chat room here. I've got your website up on the, on the Facebook in the video here, but I'll post the link up on the chat rooms as well. So people can go to it as well. Thanks Scott for coming right. in. I appreciate you being hey, here today. Have a good one. We'll see you. All right. Thanks so much. All right, folks. That takes us to uh, the end of the show for today. Appreciate you guys coming in. You could follow links over to Scott's website there and take a look at it. We're going to be back tomorrow, 6 a.m., bright and early. Brad Keithley, Chris Story. It's going to be fun stuff. It's going to be a busy week, I can tell you that right now. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We will see you tomorrow, folks. Have a great day. We'll see you then.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. <laughs> 